We're live. All right. Live again. Once again. On a Wednesday. We're a little early this Wednesday. Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. You know, I'm glad it's casual Wednesday here at the Vatican because there ain't no way I can top last week. Dude, the first five minutes of last week's episode, I'm not kidding you, I've probably watched that 50 times. It brought me so much joy. Every time I felt a little sad or mad, I would just go watch the clip of last week's episode, the first cut to Pope Chili. <laughs> and, and dude, you just, you just kind of just do like this and move your microphone out of the way and then you just... You don't say anything. It was freaking excellent. I can't even top it. Well, that's just business as usual. I mean, it's going to take me a long time to muster enough freaking gumption to even try to top last week. It was unbelievable. Well, that's just standard fare here around the Vatican. But it is casual Wednesday around here. We're a little early. Because uh, Lord C. Cardinal has got to make a run to Atlanta at some point. And, uh, but we did get our PT in. What y'all think about that PT this morning, man? Chili, you, you've got something going on with your wrists. What's going on? Well, double wrist subluxation. You ever heard of it? I haven't. Wow. <laughs> so you've got both your wrists bound up. Subluxated. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty serious. Does that occur from um, over-frequently masturbating? Oh. Whoa. Whoa, oh cuh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Holy <laughs> smokes. Now. <laughs> got him, boy. <laughs> now, 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 let's take a pause here. And sometimes when you, when you don't leave a topic like that, it makes it worse. <laughs> but you are filthy. I mean, what a what a wretched human. He's been hanging around Brooke too much. We need to hit the dump button. We need a dump button. Where you can just clear out the last five seconds. One of them buttons makes some noise on that keyboard. Up there. I mean, look here. That's vile, filthy Yeah, Corn, hit one of them colorful buttons. Hit one of them color buttons. Yeah, just hit one of them big ones. Oh, crap. That didn't do anything. Try it. All right, oh, let's get over that. Look, um, look. So, were you able to do those uh, those power cleaning jerks this morning? You're filthy. Now you we, you got that? What are you talking about, man? You nasty. What are you talking about, man? Huh? Jeez. Anyway, the workout. Yeah, it was very difficult for a handicap to try to do that workout. Thirty cleans, a mile run, clean and press. Yeah, but. But look, I um, I did it. Did you really do it? Because yeah. I wasn't watching you because you were on the other end of the gym. Yeah, I did it. Okay. He had that aluminum bar. What is it, 15 pounds? I don't even, I didn't know there was aluminum bar in there. Yeah, he had that little short aluminum bar, and he had the two-and-a-half-pound plates on each side of it. Okay. All right, look at here, boys. Look. Uh, this is... Uh, this is it's time for some formal counseling here, all right? I don't legitimize these CrossFit PTs. Look, they're corn, a joke. Look, corn, corn is just getting started in his fitness journey. Yeah, so he's got some 
he's got some room here to play with, all right? But for you and Blake, for Chili, you and Blake, you guys are both completely out of standard, okay? You, you're, you have allowed yourselves to grow so stinking weak and, and uh, outside of regulation around here in terms of strength and fitness that something's going to have to be done, okay? Because, look, we're supposed to go, we're supposed to go to a, we're, we're being hosted by a guest here in about three weeks at a, to do the combat standards test, and I'm worried that e- neither one of y'all are even going to be able to pass the freaking test, man. Well, so, you don't have to worry about that. We're going to be filming. No, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to be the, filming the, you. They have, they're going to have their own film crew there, more than likely. <laughs> well, <even laughs> so, more than likely. Well, we're the supplemental crew. Yeah, I'm working crew. through that right now. We're the but supplemental look, crew. Look, what, uh, what's up with last week's PT? You had that dang sorry time on the four-mile run. I you ran was the just same out there. time as Chili, man. Me and yeah, Chili it was ran sorry. together. It was sorry. No, it wasn't. You're out of standard, time. man. I, that was that was sad, look, man. I'm just telling you guys. So y'all, look, you've let your cardiovascular fitness look, it has gone down the drain. All jokes aside, y'all jokers going to tighten up, man. I ain't trying to get y'all stronger. are freaking weak. You're slow. You don't, and you don't even care. You don't even care that you're out totally out of the standards that That's have the been worst set. Part, isn't it? The that apath- is the, the worst apathy. part. You don't even freaking care, man. So what happens when we go down here and do this combat standards test and we host this for these people and y'all jokers can't even pass it because you can't do a 135-pound front squat? I'm going to be cheering them on. (laughs) Woo! Yeah! Well, things about to turn around around here, boys. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Y'all, and you you probably ain't going to like it. But for Blake, Blake, you are included in this. You and Chili both, y'all are going to have to do something about your strength and fitness. You're going to have to do something about your cardio. I'll smoke you on a run right now. Buddy. Okay. I'll smoke you on a run right now. Well, well, look, by the way, if anybody ever at any point wants to challenge me at anything, I accept. Well, Chet, why, why do you say we're weak right now? You don't even know how weak we are. I know how weak y'all are. I watched both of y'all in the gym this morning. Blake did 95-pound power cleans and didn't even do the press. Well, but do you think... A bird can do that. Don't you think he could do more than that? Well, if he could have, he should have. Well, no, it's... It's, a, the old, it's just it, like the old saying, no. if you could have, you should have. No, it's a goofy, it's a goofy workout programming, man, CrossFit. Could you have done more on the run the other day? Could you have ran faster? Blake. Well, you should have. <laughs> I did I did the four-mile run. Okay? I know. Could you have done it faster? I did the workout. And we actually did it. I think we did it within the standard, too. The standard's 30 minutes. You was 31 minutes, you said. I don't remember exactly what our time was. But anyways, I was running You ran for 31 minutes. That's when we stopped. But anyways, <laughs> look. Well, Blake, if you, if you ever want to challenge me at a four-mile run, come on. I will blow your freaking socks off. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. You're way too slow, man. So, I'm saying this, but while I'm saying this, I'm also saying that if you guys ever think you can beat me at anything, come on with it, okay? We well, were why s- would we think we could beat you at anything, Chad? You're the best at everything. Well, thank you for saying that. 
Um, <laughs> you know, we were supposed to film. We were supposed to do Murph this morning, but like I said, I had I had some other things that came up for me later on this evening. So we're we're still going to do that for you guys, and uh, hopefully live stream that. But okay. There's the formal counseling for this morning. You guys need to take that seriously. And if we go up and do this combat standards test and we lead this this group through this test, you guys both better be able to freaking meet that standard. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Who even said I was going? You told me you were going. I didn't say that. Yeah, you said <laughs> I'm, well, you said I might ride up there with y'all. Well, I'm planning on going, but I'm supporting. I'm just telling you. You better be able to pass the freaking test. It's 25 front squats at 135. I wearing it was 50. A, no, it's 25. 25 front squats at 135 uh-huh. wearing a 20-pound vest. Ooh. Yep. You go from there. You can either do a mile-and-a-half run or 100 calories on the assault bike. Then you have 100 burpee pull-ups. And then you have another either mile-and-a-half run or 100 calories on the assault bike. And you have one hour to do it. So you better be able to do it within a freaking hour. I don't care if you if if you don't you don't have to win because there's gonna be people there that beats our socks off. But I'm just telling you, you better be able to do it within an hour. They're not gonna beat you. Well, I'm gonna let some people win. I mean, <laughs> oh, are you? I'm not gonna go into a place and really just. I mean, that that, that would be so prideful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna let some people win. I mean. You know, <laughs> I do agree. I mean, the hubris in that would know no bounds. Yeah, for sure. You can't do that. No. Hey, look, this is how it goes. All right. You decide, I'm going to start really focusing on this one thing. And I'm going to do it for a few months. And when I get good at it, I'm going to find some people that hadn't been doing that. And then I'm going to challenge them and call them out because they <laughs> hadn't been doing what I'm doing. And they are not to the standard that I'm at. <laughs> and I'm and I'm gonna say, hey, you want to you want to compete with me on this? Well, <laughs> I you, didn't think so, well, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm better. I am more fit than you guys in in terms of strength, endurance, mindset uh, across the board in any activity. I can beat you guys. Okay, that but that's but I'm not bragging. That's just what that is what that's what I'm supposed to be. So you, I'm not well, saying not bragging when it's true. Yeah, I'm not saying you guys are ever going to be able to beat me across the board because if you're if you're ever able to do that, then I'm not doing my job. But right now, I just feel like I'm the only one doing my freaking job. So y'all better look. Look, nothing else needs to be said about this. When we do the combat standards test, if either one of you guys cannot pass the combat standards test in front of the public, there is going to be serious repercussions. Well, I'm just not going to do it. Oh, no, you're going to do it. (laughs) No, I'm not. Chad, I'm a weak man. I can't be doing that. It's time to turn things around, Pope. Uh, how, um, How are you liking the gym? Preach cornbread. I'm, I'm liking it, man. It's different, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah, just trying to get some form down. I mean, I ain't going to lie. You feel goofy in there, everybody lifting, and you just working on form. But, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. That wasn't but the – that was my first full class. class. Yeah. 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 You've been working with Hamza. Have y'all – so y'all got through your three personal mm-hmm. training sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Those went pretty good. So I heard your legs were a little sore the other day. 
they were sore the first day and then yesterday on the run my calves locked up i know you don't cramp but i, I definitely cramped well that didn't really happen to you you not, just not, imagined yeah, it yeah just uh, yeah yeah so that's you've right. got to teach yourself how to unimagine well, it took me about two hours to unimagine that okay on, on my right calf <laughs> it'll be it'll be better next next yeah. time it won't be quite as real to you right um, I cut it down to an hour of not imagining it. So you and Blake went hunting the other morning. <clears throat> I told you guys. Did, did I not tell y'all when to hunt? Look, I'm a hunt consultant is what I am. I told these boys the other day. I said, look, boys. I sent them a text out on Sunday. I said, look, boys, these goats is rutting. The goats are rutting again. Enos was running around the pasture, mudding up all my female goats, grunting. <laughs> I said, oh, it's on again. Second rut. I hit these boys up and said, look, y'all need to be in the woods tomorrow. So they showed up. They hunted. Saw all kinds of big bucks, you know, all kinds of deer. They, ne they never were able to close the deal, though. You know, that's the thing. In the hunting world, I'm known as the closer. Okay? That's what I'm known as in the hunting world. I'm the closer. When I make up my mind to target a buck it's over. and kill him, he has no chance, right? Any buck that I see ever, when I'm in the woods, if I see him, if I decide I want to kill him, he's dead. If I All I got to do is see him, right? So I hear these guys talking about, oh, yeah, I saw him slipping through there, and, you know, I just didn't quite have a shot, and... You know, he was moving through the... Look, man. <laughs> y'all got to work, y'all got to learn how to close the deal. All right? Now, we'll, I'll, I'll teach y'all how to do that maybe next season. This season, I'm just getting y'all warmed up to learning when to hunt and where to hunt. And just getting y'all used to seeing deer. Right? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. But we're going to have little lessons next season on how to close the deal. Because if you don't close the deal... It don't count. Now, I'll go back to what you saying a while ago, whooping the far out of everybody and everybody. You ain't going to whoop me in turkey hunting. Believe that. <laughs> oh, that just ain't happening. I, I challenge so, accepted, built. my friend. I, built. Challenge built. accepted, my friend. You better get tuned the up. Pope is going to happen. You better get tuned show. up, son. Yep. Scepter. Built. <laughs> well, all I can tell you is you... You know, the in the last couple of years in turkey season, you and Blake have obviously been shooting more turkeys than me. But look, I can go out at any time and kill a turkey. You know, most of the time. Well, you got to even the playing field now. You you can't be in this this grand paradise where these mystical bucks walk out of the fog and these gobblers are up there just go just every five or six. No, you got to go to the level playing field oh yeah we'll all hunt the same the okay. same area okay. yeah that's fine i as a matter of fact in virginia when i lived in virginia um every year i turkey hunted just one time i would just go turkey hunt one time and every time guess what i would kill a turkey that's all it took one time so you know i've really become passionate about teaching you younger hunters hunter people who haven't been doing it 
quite to the Porn level. Ain't younger than you. Well, I know, but I'm, I'm saying in the hunting world, people who haven't been doing it quite to the level that I've been doing it for a long, long time. And so I generally <laughs> forego taking an animal so that you guys, guys like y'all, will have the opportunity later on to hopefully get a shot. I, I will definitely give you the deer hunting. You've killed a lot more bigger bucks than I've seen. I'll give you that. But I will put my list of guided turkey hunts successful up against yours any day. Okay. Of well, teaching, of well, look, teaching people. Teaching people. Well, look, man, the, the spring's coming. Uh, we'll settle this in the spring. <laughs> hey, uh, B Scepter. Hunter. Scepter. B Hunter on here, he said, uh, I live right down the road from y'all, and I'll take any of y'all on a mountain bike any day. Challenge accepted. Hey, man. B Hunter. Did, I, I did, B Hunter. Did you ride the TNGA this year, man? I'm asking you that question. Responding to the daggone thing. Did you ride oh, the TNGA sure this year? I hope he did and beat you. <laughs> if he did it, he beat yeah, you. Yeah, so. let's talk about that. TNGA, Trans-North Georgia, one of the hardest mountain bike races in the uh, in the continental well, United I States. I sure hope he did it. Laura C. rode it this year. Not that he needs to. And finished to, it. But. That's right. Okay. We're going to get into the conversation. Blake had a really good question. That came from Patreon, our patron. Uh, and I want you to ask that question. I want to go over that a little bit. And I'm going to share something with y'all from the Word after that. So get that question ready, Blake. But before that, this episode is brought to you by Hoist. And what I want to tell you about Hoist that you probably don't know, it is it is actually extremely good with coffee. Okay. So try this if you if you drink hoist. See, coffee dehydrates you. Hoist hydrates you. Take a sip of hoist first and follow it up with a sip of coffee. I'm talking just black coffee, okay? It is an outstanding combination. And if you do this, if you drink hoist with coffee, you maintain a good baseline level of hydration. You don't get overhydrated and you don't get underhydrated because they're counteracting each other. And it will actually bring your cells to a neutral state of hydration, which is where you want to be for the most part. Okay? So the combination of the two is wonderful. The flavor's great. Uh, I'm actually thinking about, I'm running a 100 miler this weekend and I'm thinking about actually doing a 50 50 coffee hoist mix instead of water hoist coffee hoist mix just to maintain that neutral level of hydration if y'all don't know about that you should try it okay hoist is made in america it's got all the good stuff in it without any preservatives it's got 70 calories it's got i done grabbed this bottle again it's the same color as my light that i got back here calcium potassium magnesium it hydrates you better than water because it has the stuff in it that your body needs to kick to keep going and to quit getting them fake cramps all right 
I've used hoist in all different environments and all different challenges. I used it on TNGA, the Cocodona 250, a 250-mile run. I drank this stuff for four days straight. It's easy on the stomach. It tastes good. It hydrates you well. It does everything that they claim it will do, not to mention they're awesome people behind the brand. Thank you, Hoist. They've been uh, one of our longest partners here at 307 Project. And let me tell you, if you get anything out of the show, it means a lot to us if you would support the companies that support the show. Um, It just helps everybody. And you get a product that you know I, the Pata Familius, have tested across the board. So that saves you a lot of extra work. Hoist is one of those products. Check them out. Drinkhoist.com. Get you some. Only thing I'm concerned about is, you know, it works for you, but does it work for people who aren't as aren't on your level? It will help you get to my level. Okay. If you drink Hoist, it'll help you get to my level. Well, that's what I think the main concern with the public may be is, well, it works for Chad, but I'm nowhere near his level, you know, so will it work for me too? And yeah. you're saying it'll help you get to your level. Yeah, for sure. Well, good. Yeah. Because that could be a that could be a problem, you know. Sometimes people can't just do what you do because you're in a little bit different of a wavelength. Oh no, everybody can do what I do if they drink hoist. So that's the key then. Yeah. Okay. I'm just asking. That's y'all's daggone problem. Y'all ain't been drinking enough hoist. I drink it all the time. Well, you need to drink more of it. (laughs) I mean, what's my problem? You need to start drinking coffee, too. I don't drink Drink them together. I don't drink coffee. Well, that's another one of your problems. See, you got all kinds of dang problems. All right. Drinkhoist.com. Blake, what was the question that we had come in from Patreon, and and who sent it? Well, I don't know if he wants his name and his business out there, so I'll just say it's a patron, and he'll... I'm sure he'll... He said he's an avid listener. He's been listening since the beginning. We appreciate that. Um, Since the beginning, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I I believe him. I've seen his name here on Patreon for a while. So his question was, and I'll just read a little bit of it. He said, I've heard you discuss applying different things to business, and recently you discuss finding purpose in life, and I'm having a difficulty with something specific. He's a teacher by trade, teaches high school social studies, but he think and he thinks he's where he is, where he should be, right now but he's always had a desire to start a business and all of his family are business owners and so basically he's saying that he's he's wanting to do that sometime in the near future and he doesn't want to do it if it doesn't honor God and so he has multiple things that are in place and he could do and one example he gave was a cattle company and he said I could have cows everything's in place I have the land I have all the equipment but uh, I don't feel like how does that honor God? I would like to do that. Things are in place. It would make sense. But how does that honor God? And so he's basically struggling with this desire to start a business. How does the things that we teach and, and that anybody teaches that are real apply to business specifically? And then further than that, how do you know if what you're doing is is kind of what God has for you and how do you honor God with something that's not directly connected to him? So does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I mean, that was multiple questions. So 
we'll try to we'll try to work through this. It would have been nice if you could have put that a little more concisely, tech guy. Yeah, uh, well, you next kind of ramble you can read with it. it. But um, <laughs> but I think we. Can- Chili loves that. I think we get the gist of it. Yeah. Well, let's um, just move on then. But, we'll, we'll answer it different. No, 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 no. You no, ask no. your no, this is a this is a good question, man. Blake, Which one? Blake, man, settle down, Which Blake. One? Come on, man. Bishop, settle down, man. Okay. Well, I can boil it down to it seem, seems to be two things he's wrestling with. He seems to be wondering how could a cattle company or whatever it is be used for God. He's, I think he's struggling with that. That seems unrelated, yeah. right? It seems like, well, that's got nothing to do with serving God's kingdom or it's, you know, so how, how could it, how could it be? And I think it's also potentially a problem of, he talks about his desire to maybe do that or, but he almost sounds conflicted with trying to be led by the spirit about what God would have him do. And he he may, may maybe maybe I'm just putting words in his mouth, which I don't intend to do. But maybe he, there's a conflict there of like, well, how do I distinguish between what God's calling me to do and just maybe what I want to do personally? Yeah, I could see two of those yeah. threads through his question. Maybe so. Yeah, so which which you can pick that first one then. That leads me to actually my first thing that I thought about when when Blake was reading. The question that was sent over. Um, okay, I don't. I, obviously, I don't know this dude, so I'm just speaking in general terms. I don't know this person personally, and kind of what they're going through in their own mind. But we we know he he is a teacher. Now, teaching is probably one of the most honorable things that a human being could do with their life. Being a teacher is like on par with being any any service position, you know, whether that's a, a I know it's different. It's not a direct comparison, but the nature of service is is the comparison between a teacher, a fireman, uh, any public servant, um, a teacher, man, it's one of the most honorable things that anyone could choose to do with their life, in my opinion. It's right up there on par with anything else that you could do in terms of service, and that's including military service. Um, and it sounds as if this individual is feeling some desire to start a business and get into entrepreneurship. But my thing is I would ask this individual right off the bat to really assess why is it that you are, why is it that you feel the desire to leave this career that you have as a teacher to go into entrepreneurship and the reason I say ask yourself that question is because this individual followed it or, or added into his question, almost everyone else in my family are business owners. All right, there's a, I, so he's surrounded by people who are entrepreneurs, business owners. They're his family members. And if the fact that most of your family and your friend group and the people you hang out with are entrepreneurs and you're 
a teacher, if you kind of feel like, well, dang, they're doing they're doing more than I'm doing, or what they have is better than what I have, or or I can maybe I can accomplish more doing what or you feel some pull to be an entrepreneur because or, or that's being influenced essentially by nature of the people that you do life with that's the wrong re- that would be a bad reason to leave the job that you're doing to go into entrepreneurship here's the truth about starting a business it is not for everyone entrepreneurship has been portrayed on social media it's been it's been elevated to like this this the ultimate like thing that everybody should be everybody should go into entrepreneurship everybody you should start a business look that's a freaking lie man it ain't for everybody and you don't have to be an entrepreneur or a business owner to do really awesome things. Like you don't have to do that. I, society might or or has elevated it, but it it's that's not like you can make a really good living, probably a better living working for somebody then you can going out and starting your own business for a long, long time. You'll be better off working for somebody. But if it's not even about the money, there are other things like, I don't understand why entrepreneurship has been elevated to this ultimate achievement when in all reality, it's the, it's the hardest possible freaking path that you can take. Like you don't, you don't have days off. You don't have regular schedule. You have all this crap that you have to deal with, and 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 it's it's just it's not what you think it is. So if entrepreneurship or business ownership has been elevated in your mind to this place of like, if I don't go do that, then I'm not doing the best that I can because of the people around you and that's what you see them doing and you think that you're cheating yourself by not going and starting a business that's not true man like you can you can live out your purpose and you can have tremendous impact and tremendous influence dedicating your entire adult life or your entire career to being a teacher. And don't think that being a teacher is any less than being a business owner. Because it's not, man. So I wanted to throw that out there, just in case that person is having this conflict in their own mind of like, I'm not doing everything I should be doing because I'm not a business owner. Being a business owner is not what everyone is meant to do. Contrary to what Instagram tells you, if you're not an entrepreneur, you're not freaking trying. That's bull crap, man. 
Did that, does that that was long winded? No, that makes. But did that make sense? That makes total no. sense. But I think I, I'm not sure that that's his struggle. We don't have him here to answer. His yeah, question. Ju- just. But so I that, just wanted to front it with that. Right. So if that was his struggle or somebody else's, then I think that you know that makes sense. But I think it sounds like his struggle may more be with what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Like should I stay here to best serve God as a teacher, or should I go start my own business? And how could that be used? Like he's maybe struggling with how that could be used. Is that how you took that, Blake? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so now, so now we're getting into this part of the question. Okay. So now let's assume that this individual has really went through their reasoning of why they want to leave their their career as a teacher and start a business, and that reasoning is sound, and it's not been influenced by social media or by the people around them. Okay, that okay. All right. Now we're leaving our our career as a teacher and we're going to start a business. All right? So talking about the cattle business, which by the way, dude, you're way ahead of me. I want cows. Mm-hmm. Talking about getting into the cattle business. You know, how can something like that be how, how can something like that have some aspect of, of ministry to it? Well, it's it's literally endless. Well, anything can. Anything can. You should never discount the fact that anything could. Yeah. I, I mean, just to me, it's that simple. It, it To me, it's just a matter of if it's, if it is what you're supposed to be doing or not. And. I don't know. I let, keep let, trying to get to that. But. Let me tell you how what that looks like in a practical way. So, if you decide, again, okay, I'm leaving here, I'm going over here to start my own business, and we're just going to use the cattle business, for instance. I'm going to start, I'm going to get into cattle business. Let me be real with you, brother. I understand that you, that you want to have some sort of plan up front that, so that this new business of yours is going to have some sort of ministry aspect to it and is going to fulfill your purpose as a servant of Christ. I understand that you want that plan up front and you want that vision up front and you want to know up front what that's going to look like. But here's the truth. For me personally, when I started 3 of 7 Project, I had no earthly idea where the Lord was going to take this. And sitting right here today, I have no earthly idea where it's going. You are not going to have the full vision. You are not going to have the plan laid out in front of you that you can see, okay, this is how we can serve the Lord in, in, in doing. In, that, that wasn't the way it worked for me, man. You want to know how it's worked for me personally here at 307 Project when we started this company? Yeah, we, we were, we, Blake and I were both Christian followers of Christ when we started this company. We had an idea of... Body, soul, and spirit. Uh, 
But we didn't know what the execution of that was going to look like. So how, how did we get to the point that we are today? Well, we just, it, it, I'll tell you what it's been. For me, it's just been a series of yeses. When Blake and I decided we wanted to start doing this, it's literally just been, okay, we're going to start doing what we can figure out how to do. And when opportunities present themselves to serve, to witness, to share God's word, to go, when opportunities present themselves, I have just always said yes. I said yes to every, every single opportunity for like, what, you think, Blake, like the first two, two and a half years? Well, we still kind of do it. We still kind of do it. Like, you just you just go into it. You say, okay, this is what I'm going to go, this is what I'm going to do. How is the Lord going to use this? I don't know, man. I don't even know if this is even going to work. But I think I can do this. I think I'm, I, I would be good at it. I don't know what God's going to do with it. But I'm going to go at it. I'm going to work hard at it. And every single time an opportunity presents itself, I'm just going to say yes to it. And so I, I literally did that for years, even if it cost me money. Like, y'all don't understand, dude. All of y'all heard me, have heard me on all these podcasts, like all over the country, right? You've heard me go, go I, I've been on, I don't know, probably over a hundred different podcasts for, with other people where I have had to leave my house and fly across the country in order to have a conversation with somebody that's being recorded that they're going to release on their podcast. So y'all don't understand. I like, I paid for that. Like it has caught the, the first few years. It literally cost me money to do what I was being called to do. Well, nobody, well, nobody paying a thousand dollar plane ticket across the country to go sit down with somebody and, and have a conversation and potentially share the gospel or share my testimony. It cost me freaking money, man. But I just said yes. Every time something comes, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, you want me to come speak here? I'll do that. You want me to park? Yeah, I'll do that. It's just been a series of yeses and just allowing myself to be used in whatever way, in whatever opportunity came down the pipe. So, dude, you're not going to have this vision of what your ministry in the cattle business is going to look like right off the bat. If that's what you decide to do and you think you're going to be good at it, just go do it. But understand, it's going to require you to work really, really hard and say yes to a bunch of stuff that might cost you money and will definitely cost you time. And hopefully, eventually, one day it will become profitable to where you can make it your living and you can bring other men in to add to whatever that ministry becomes. 
But you're not going to see it in the beginning, man. That's just not the way it works. If you could see it, if you could see it all in the beginning, it would require zero faith. You, yeah, if you could see how God's going to use your cattle business in order to fulfill your purpose within the body of Christ and help people potentially all over the world, which can be done, if you could see how that was going to work and how it was going to be sustainable and, and, how, and, and the fruit that was going to be born of it, if you could see all that before you ever even started, well, for, yeah, you would go do it. But that ain't the way that the, the Lord wants you to learn to lean on him. He ain't going to show you, man, because he wants you to learn. He wants you to be weak. He wants you to feel vulnerable. He wants you to not know where the crap this is going. Just like I am sitting here right in front of you today, and I don't know where this thing that we do is going. But I'm cool with that. Well, that principle is a, that biblical principle is the one that's faithful with little is faithful with much. And so it's not about what it is that you're doing. It's about being faithful with the little steps and the little things you have. And then as you're given more, you're faithful with that and you're faithful with that. And then it becomes that, well, I'm just faithful. It doesn't matter how big or how small the thing that I have is. And as to this example, I would say to, to think that God couldn't use a cattle company, like expand your, your understanding of who God is because he could use an ant farm and reach the world. He could, you know, he could use whatever he wants to use. So just because it's not uh, directly tied to the word of God in, in a very direct way, like maybe some kind of full-time ministry or uh, mission-oriented overseas, countryside, whatever, that doesn't mean that God can't use it for big or little things. And you can't judge the grandness on it by how many people are reached. It's just, are you doing what you're supposed to do? If if you have if you're following Christ and that's the desire of your heart, then God's probably put it there. So just follow it. And I like what you said, Corn. You know, at breakfast, uh, you want to talk about that? I think that fits in oh, perfect here. You know about not separating anything, part of business from your personal life. Yeah. Who, who you are is who you are. If you're a follower of Christ, that's who you are. You know the terminology in business. You should do this. I've never understood that. I've never been close to being an entrepreneur at all. I've had a restaurant and, a, and an auction, and they both failed. But I'll tell you why. Because when you was asking the question, and was Chad was just talking, I thought about this. Now, I'm not well studied in Colossians, but Colossians 3, 23 come to my mind when you was asking the question. And whatsoever ye do, ye do, do it heartedly as to the Lord and not unto men. Anything. Starting a business, I didn't do that on both the businesses I had. I, I had the same thing Chad was talking about. You see the end results of somebody being on Instagram, check out what I'm doing. You know, I've had five businesses and sold one for a billion dollars, and now I'm on the lake with the boat, and I'm doing all this. Oh, man, start this business and make some money. And whether you're working for somebody or for yourself, I think if you're setting out just right there and you're not separating it at all, that's going to be good. But 
he so he said his family has all he's got a plethora of experience right there around him as well. Some of that stuff you was talking that you just had to learn and say, yeah, if all his family members have started business and and what that's a that's a big asset right there into itself. So I would definitely suggest don't don't even look at it like how it could be for the Lord. Why don't separate it? Period. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's actually the way that I live my life. Like three of seven project is my life. This is this is just in this what we do is integrated into my life. There is no there there is not a day that goes by that I am not thinking for the majority of the day about something that we either should be doing, could be doing or are doing. Every day, that's what that and and every day there's something that I'm tangibly doing to to further the mission. So there yeah there is no there is no separation. Like there there are some things, there are some good practices like tactics, techniques and procedures that you can apply in order to maintain a healthy business like a chain of command, like um you, you know utilizing uh, managing money, things like that, like so but when you talk about the separation of like, oh, this is what I do in business and this is what I do in personal life, I don't freaking get that either. Yeah. Because this is my life. Every single freaking day, man. Like, I'm going to run a 100-mile race with Bean this weekend. That, That's business. But it's also my life. Right. <laughs> that's freaking crazy, man. Well, I've been, I don't know, Blake mentioned it, and it's something, <clears throat> whether this pertains to his question or not, the original question, I, I want to ask it. So, how do you distinguish between your desire to do something and God calling you to do it? Look, man, that's a really deep question. And the only way that I can answer it, and, and, I, and I, I say this because I truly believe that what I am doing right now, professionally, personally, again, it's all integrated, but what I am doing right now with my time on this earth is truly what God created me to do. I truly believe that. Like I'm operating in that place, right? So is this what I desired to do? When I look back to the very beginning, I would say yeah, there was there was some some aspect of desire to be doing something within the lane that that we are operating, like teaching people, uh, sharing things with people. Like there was some desire, but 
it wasn't like a clear design. It wasn't like clear cut. Like, I feel like, at least for me personally, but when you when you are able to truly, not completely, but you are seeking to submit yourself to Christ. Like you're actively, like you're seeking that. You're praying for it. You're, you're again. You're, 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 you're really des- You're really your desire is to submit yourself to Christ. The Holy Spirit of Christ will, will, lead you in to the position where you are doing what He created you to do over time but it's very very subtle it's it's a very very subtle process like you almost don't even know for me it's like you don't even realize that it's happening it's so subtle um and then after a long long time you realize holy crap i'm really like doing right now today what I was created to be doing. But it, it's not this strong desire that I had that got me here. The, the, the desire needs to be directed toward wanting what Christ wants more than what you want. That's where the desire the desire shouldn't be. It shouldn't be what do I tang- like desire to do tangibly. Like the desire should be like, Lord, use me, please, to bring about your kingdom here on this earth in whatever, whatever way. And it's there, and, and he will lead you into it. I have that's what he did with me. But it's so freaking subtle, man. Well, I've been thinking about this for months. And to me, it actually can fit within what I talk I know I sound like a broken record, but talk about all the time with the conflicting desires like you're going to want to do things in life you're just going to want things and have desires and there's nothing wrong with that but i think you know i always say you do what you want to do most well when you when you desire to do what god has for you more than anything else well then that it it nullifies your own desire to a degree yeah and i like i said i've thought about it so much and i don't know that i have the answer but and this is a broken record too but dying to yourself literally is a key for so many things because to me your own desires and your own goals and dreams really is just a reflection of you're not fully died to yourself truly and they will always leave you empty well and they're always going to get in the way of what you're actually supposed to be doing supposed to be doing because you're and that's a weird term supposed to be doing but like what you were created to do. I, I mean, like when you when it's all just about what you want to do, then you're not fully dead to yourself. There's something in you holding on to what you want to do. I mean, it, it, and in a way, it is simple, but I don't. But it's very difficult to actually distinguish that. You're like you have to ask yourself: Am I just doing what I want to do, or or has my desire for righteousness and my desire to do what God has for me taken? precedence yeah this i mean you can also ask like in the example of 
this guy wanting to start his business, you can ask why. Like, is is the why because you're not happy with the salary you're making and and you want more money? Then, I mean, that still could be from God, but it may not be because yeah. you're focused on the money, or is it because you burn out where you're at? That could still be from God, but maybe not. You, you might just be indulging the flesh and saying, "I'm over this. I'm out." And so you got to ask the why behind and and be honest with yourself. And sometimes you don't even know. Well, but. well exactly. I think if if you ask yourself why to everything, if if you say, "Well, why, why, like why," and you go, "Well, because I want to start this," well, that's not a good enough reason, right? I mean, you know, the why really for it to be justified is I think. You know, God is calling me to do this. But then I would ask myself, you know, then that's what I struggle with is like, well, is it really that or is it just I want to do this? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I think you're right. The closer you are to God, then then your desires will start uh, to align. Or just align. Like there's always this gap. You can't, you're not going to But even that, you with. never get rid of yourself. I mean, totally. Right. Yeah. And you're still going to make mistakes and that's how you learn. Sometimes you're going to, you're going to, take an action you're going to say i think this was from god and then you're going to take the action you're going to say i was wrong there yeah now, and then and then you know what that was like you know how that and so from experience you say well next time i know really yeah. i know why i did this and i see how it turned out and i'm not going to do that again so yeah. part of this is gained through experience and through through just time living life and maturing and yeah yeah i agree and, and it like i just thought in the vein of that part of the conversation, if if you're just stuck and you you can't like you just got to you just got at some sometimes in life you just got to go go do you got to just do something you just got to you just got to do something you drastically change what to do something that you ain't doing yeah I, I, yeah but even even like. If if you're stuck and you you don't know what you don't know what you're what is this from is this from the Lord am I am I am I supposed to do this business or do that business? Look, sometimes you're gonna you're racking your brain about the whole time you're racking your brain about that you're just wasting time. Yeah, just do something. Well, everybody's doing something. He's doing something right now. Exactly. But he's wrestling with, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And I don't know how you really stop that that wrestling. Because well, that's, it's going to be, some people are going to struggle with that more than others. But, you know, he is doing something. But he's he's wondering, is that what he's supposed to be doing? Well, Chad's saying you got to, eventually, you just got to take action. Like, you can struggle with it a little bit, and then you make your best guess, and then you just got to take, I mean, I guess by staying where he's at, he's he is doing technically something. taking action. But if you... You know, if you feel like you need to do something else, then do then do something else. Yeah. And if it if it ain't right, guess what? You're gonna wind up back doing what you were doing. <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? Well, so, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I cannot stress to you enough. And now we're gonna move on to the next part of this conversation. I cannot stress to you enough that in the in this whole conversation. When you decide to go and start, when you decide to do something, you are not going to have the entire vision of what that is, how that is going to fit within the context of the kingdom of God 
you're not going to have the full vision of what that's going to look like, how it plays out, what, how it's going to operate, how it's going to impact people, how it's going, how the gospel is going to be integrated into it. You're not going to have that full vision, man. And the vision is going to unfold. God's plan for you is going to unfold as long as you are submitted to Him. But that un, the unfolding of that plan is extremely subtle because it is just an increment, a, a little incremental movement day after day after day, and it's so freaking subtle that you won't even realize it's happening until you get to the point that you look around you and you're like, okay, it's happening. But even when you get to that point, you're not going to know where it's going to go from that point. You never are going to know exactly where it's going to go. So you got you got you got to understand that that has been my experience. I'm not saying that experience that same process is true for everyone. Maybe there's some head out there who had this grand vision right off the bat and executed it perfectly and it all unfolded the way that he saw it before he ever started it. That ain't me, son. What you got, cornbread? You look like you got something. No, I was just thinking when Chili and you was talking, you, you just got to be cautious to you can line up. I've done it in the past. You can line up stuff in your head that this is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. This ain't from the Lord. No, I ain't supposed to do this. I ain't supposed to. And you just, like you said, messing your mind all up. How many things do you got to have that's from the Lord? And is it really even from the Lord? And how do you describe that desire that Blake was talking about? Me and Chili was talking a couple of weeks ago about having a desire, and you just end up doing something, and you really don't even know what the desire was, but you wanted to do it, and you don't even really know why you wanted to do it. Yep. All right. Uh, I want to read a verse real quick, and then I want to know what it what this means to each of to each of you guys. This is Acts chapter ten. Verse 34. Now, this is sh- this chapter right here uh, from verse 9 is when Peter, he has this vision of this big sheet that's coming down from heaven, right? And it's full of all these, these animals. And Jesus tells him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean, right? And Jesus speaks to him again and says, What God has cleaned, that you cannot call common. And he sees this sheet rose up and down three times, and then there's some folks standing out at his gate, and then he goes with these folks to to this man's house who had a vision and sent these folks to get Peter. And this, this feller is a Gentile, right? He's not a Jew. And Peter shares the the gospel of Christ with these Gentiles for the for the first time and for the first time the Holy Spirit descends upon these people who are not Jewish. All right? And this is the verse I want to get to. Peter then opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. What does that mean to you, Blake? 
Well, I mean, to me, it means that he sees everybody like equally. There's no partiality to anybody. It's it's not male, female, white, black, whatever race you are that that he sees everybody equally. Uh, so, I mean, I would off the cuff. That's what I would say without having any time to really think on it or read it. But uh, that's good, Bishop. Thank you. How about you, Chili? What's that mean to you? I don't know. Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I don't know what that means. You don't? No. Okay. What does it mean to you, though? Well, it's pretty inconsequential what it means to me, but uh, I definitely need to think more about it, if that would even help. But I don't uh, No, I don't know what that means. Well, and if you follow it up by 35, it adds a little more meaning to it. 35 is, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So, if you add that in, to me, it means like he's he's not, it doesn't mean he, like, by saying he's no respecter of persons, it's not like, we we hear respect and we're like, oh, if you don't respect someone, you don't like them, and that's not what it means. He's saying he's, he's not being partial to anybody, but in every nation who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So it, it's not it's not like he is excluding anybody, but the gospel is exclusive, right? It, it's not it's you can't just come join because you want to join, so to speak. But nobody's excluded if you're willing to accept the gift and answer God's calling on your life. No, he's he gives no favoritism. Yeah, that's a great way to put yeah. it too. Yep. So that's what it means to you, Corn. That's what it means to me. Yeah. He gives no favoritism. Yep. Yep. So I'm bringing this I'm bringing this verse up. I actually I'm reading through the book of Acts right now and um and I'm bringing this verse up and this this principle actually of God is no respecter of persons or he shows no favoritism to any any single race or individual or or person that holds any any certain position or anything like that, it it's actually found frequently throughout Scripture. So, if the other verses that you guys want to find this principle or this truth in, um, look at Romans two eleven, Colossians three twenty five. Sometimes the reference is to personal wealth or position, but here it refers to the relation between Jews and Gentiles. Before our Creator, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free. That's Colossians 3.11. The reason that I bring this up is because uh, I think that many of us, many of us within the church and i want you to understand when i reference the church i am referencing the body of christ that is represented by every single believer in christ spread across the face of the globe that many of us are in danger or or we actually are man worshipers we are we are worshiping people I think that many of us are bordering on the line of either man worship or or just pure and outright idolatry. Okay? And 
the reason I say this is because last week when we were wearing our vestments, <laughs> many were offended and many cringed at the fact that we were wearing our vestments. And what you don't understand is I not only had our vestments on because I got a good laugh out of it, but I had our vestments on to kind of prove a point. And here's what, and, and here's what I, I can take it back to, um, I can take it back to when I, I first had the idea to do this. My, my own mother, I told my mother, we're wearing our vestments. And she said, oh, man, should you really be making fun of that? Should you really be making a mockery of, of, these, of, of the Pope's uniform and these titles within the Roman Catholic Church? There are many of us who are existing in the mindset or with the mindset that... There are these holy men that are that have been that have been elevated or enlightened or put in some position of of extreme importance and they're holy, right? Many of us are are existing believing that there are like these holy places, right? Or or these holy images. That's that is what we would call is that's what we would call religion. And the reason that I know that is because a lot of people in their response to Chile wearing his pope uniform, they literally consider that as blasphemy. Blasphemy against who? The pope? Are you kidding? Like, I don't want to get angry here, okay? Do you think that the Pope is any more holy than the servant of Christ who cleans the toilet? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think that there is actually any purpose or holiness or power in the in a vestment in a piece of clothing in a graven image do you think like do, like i'm going to get real with you do you think that there is that there is some holy power in that symbol on the on the end of of chili stave No. Don't come at my scepter here. At, at your scepter. Not at all. Not not at all. Not there there is there is not there is not a single reference that I know of in the Bible that says where where Christ says you will keep this image of the cross as something that represents my image. Christ says, take up your cross and follow me. He doesn't say when you see the cross, make sure you don't, make sure you keep that image holy because that's a representation of me. See, 
The living God cannot be represented by any graven image. The living God does not reside in any building. In any structure, it says that in scripture, the literal world is the, is his footstool. And you think there's something holy. I I, I visited a a person's church building the other day. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with a, with a congregation of believers having a place to come and meet at, but there ain't nothing holy about your steeple. There, when you walk into a church building, what's the first thing people want to show off? Oh, here's our, here's our, um, here's our stage and our look at the glass pane and and look at look at the the steeple. Look, here's our you know they they here's our coffee bar here and then and then what I love is when people say, I'll tell you what, the Lord is here, the Lord's in this building. It's like where are you getting your theology from, man? The, the, there's there is no building that you can build that in that invites the spirit of the Lord to dwell in this place. Whether it's the Vatican or whether it's the Baptist church down here on the next corner, right? But we're operating in a way that we think that there's something to that. Look, the Bible says where two or more are gathered There I will be in their midst. It doesn't say where two or more are gathered in a building that's been sanctified with a cross and steeple on it. Then I'll be in their midst when they walk into the church building. There is something special about believers coming together, but there is nothing holy about the building or the structure that they gather in. Is that what the people were saying, that God's there because of the quality of the building? Well, people say that all the time. I mean, I just, I, mean, I, just, I, just, I, just vi- I just visited a church building the other day, and the individual said, I'll tell you what, the Lord's here. Weird things happen in here. The Lord is here. Well, how do you know he was talking about the building and not because of the group of because people? Because he was referencing there. the building. <laughs> he was referencing the building as being this dwelling place for the Lord. Okay? Blake's just trying to make sure you're not uh, speaking out of quotations here but yeah please 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 do dispute me on this um well, i'm not disputing i'm just saying that if that's where everybody gathers he may be in fact true that the spirit of the lord is there because there's two or more gathered it just yeah yeah but this was in in direct but i get what you're saying in direct that, reference to because they were in this place yeah if they were someone else the lord wouldn't have been there because they weren't in that building that's right yep yep yeah i don't believe in that so any any here's the thing man any religious group that claims that they have a monopoly on the body of Christ, that's a really, really bad place to be. If, if you are if you are a and Roman Catholics for some reason believe that they have a monopoly, on the body of Christ. And they they literally they literally base their authority off of a misinterpretation of a single verse in the Bible. And that's what they base their authority off of. God does not respect does not 
it does not show partiality to any man, whether you whether you are a full time pastor or the janitor at your local elementary school who follows Christ. And God does not, the living God, the creator of the universe, whom the world is his footstool, does not reside in in any graven image or anything that we can construct as a human being. There is nothing that you can build to invite the spirit of the Lord into this dwelling. So, the very fact that you think, oh man, maybe you shouldn't mess around. Maybe you shouldn't, uh, maybe you shouldn't mock those vestments, tells me that you literally think that there is some power that resides in a, in a set of clothing that some man whom, whom has been elected by man wears. That's a problem. You're either worshiping a man, and this even happens outside of the Roman Catholic Church. In a, how, many, how many people who are part of the congregation are, are, are in a roundabout way worshiping their pastor? Elevating him to some high status above everyone else within the body of Christ. The body of Christ is spread across the globe and it's represented by every single believer whom is filled with the Holy Spirit in their day-to-day life. Well, to me, it's not about the the vestige that you're wearing, the vestments. It's about, you know, the deeper thing is the mockery at root. Is mockery biblical it's not about what you're mocking it's the question is mockery biblical and regardless of what it is so the other day when i said i'm not wearing that i don't i don't know how i feel about that i i haven't i still haven't come to any determination but it's not about the clothes not about what you're mocking i i could care less it's about mockery in general is it right to mock things and mock people i don't know that's well what i i mean to me What's the difference in me coming in here in a freaking Star Wars uniform and in a Pope uniform? Like, do I want to be Darth well, Vader you, or the Pope? Are you doing it to mock Star Wars, or are you doing it because you like Star Wars? <laughs> well, I'm doing this because I like to... Speak for yourself, Chad. I'm doing this because I like the Pope. I'm not mocking I mean, I'll, him. I'll study on it and see, I, I, you know, where it lands. I'm just saying. Chad, Chad's been using we. I, he's been speaking for me. I, yeah. I, I yeah. Like, By the way, I only speak for myself. I'm sorry. I, I, I like the, the term we. With this, go ahead, Corn. Well, the, the issue with all of it being passed down for years and years and years and years and years, it is putting people in the middle of somebody's relationship with Christ. Yeah. Now, I don't know much about the Roman Catholic Church or whatever. It's putting a priest or a preacher yep. or a deacon or somebody in between your relationship with Christ. That's what it ends up doing, Yeah. period. And, and that's the way I see it. It ends up doing that, whether it's because of the vestiges and, and this and that and that and this. I, they structure it that 
the popes here and all the way down through here, and then the people that go in the church are the bottom. That makes no sense at all. Right. So all these people are in between them and Christ. That's the way I see it. Like yeah. I said, and I don't I don't know much of it. It's just the opinion I have. Yeah. Well, it. I mean, that's why the. You know, that's why the veil was torn, right? You exactly. Know, long ago, mm-hmm. you'd have the guy that went behind the veil, and right. and you know they say they tied a little rope to his leg because if he were to pass out or faint in there, no one could go in and get him because they couldn't be in the. They'd have to drag him out by the rope. And when yep. holy of holies, yeah. And when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn. So now mm-hmm. we have direct. The only thing between us and God is Jesus. Like I mean, and they're one and the same. That can right. be a deeper conversation, but. That's how we're able to have relationship with God is through Jesus, not through the deacon or the pope or the pastor or the preacher or any of those things. Oh, that's you mean we have a high priest in heaven who makes intercession for us? Yeah. Yeah. And yep. you know that you know, you ask what the verse means to us and then and you answered it of and once you answer that you say, Well well, why was this put in here? And you answered that, Chad, because we respect people, and not even just within religion. We respect people. We talked about it on the last podcast when we was talking about the homeless. I mean, even you, I'll speak for myself, but us even talking in here, in a way, we're respecting the homeless in a different way than we would respect anybody else because we were talking about them as homeless. Now, maybe that's just a way to classify them, but when someone says, if you had a homeless man come up to you and you had a rich billionaire come up to you, if you change so much as your tone of voice or the words you would use, then you are a respecter of persons to some degree. Because you will change, you pay attention to how you talk and the things you say and the way you treat people. I do it. I'll change, I don't know why, I'll change my tone of voice and, and how I structure my words and every, and I'll, I'm a respecter of persons to some degree. I don't think that any of us could say we're not. Uh, but that's a good thing to focus on. And recognize and try to beat out of yourself. Yeah, yeah, and that that's my that's my point of that's my point of bringing it up. Yeah, is and I, I'll tell you, man, I'll tell you where this uh, th- and and this sounds really radical to a lot of you guys, and I don't know, like I don't know yet what the the right answer is to it. But it comes down to me, it really it really comes down to every single thing that we humans are trying to do or make that, that like, is the like has some special power to it or becomes a representation of the living God. Like for me, it's even, it even makes me consider like I have a necklace that has a cross on it. Like, man, I kind of think that's, that's special, right? Like, why do I think that? Like, there's no special power about that. Like, so I'm even assessing myself like I just think we've gotten we've literally gotten so far away from our from our from the concept of a living God who is everywhere at all times in all spectrum of time created 
everything can exist, exists, does exist outside of everything. And we've just built these images and these places and we've elevated these men and these things that we think are like extra holy or have called down the, the power of God because of the thing. And I don't know, man. I just think that's that's what that's the reality that we live in. So it's just checking myself and saying, man, am I looking at some image? Am I looking at some person? Am I looking at, at something as being like really holy or special? Or Yeah, it's all about your heart. I mean, it, this, this could be referred, you could go read the, I don't remember where it's at, but you know where they're talking about eating clean, you know, I can, I can eat this clean meat, but this person says I can, and and the Bible basically says, you know, eat whatever you. I mean, this is me summarizing. Eat eat whatever you want. It's it's really more about your heart, and and if this is gonna upset you, then then don't eat it, and and if you can eat it, then eat it fine. So it's not about this symbol of of the cross, but if that if you by you wearing that symbol, it gives you some sort of feeling of idolatry or. Um, you know, paganism, whatever you want to say, then yeah, don't wear it. But to someone else who wears it and it's no different than wearing a gold chain with nothing on it, then wear it. I mean, it's it's all about your heart and and what it what it does or means to you. You know, it's like on Resurrected. Uh, Andrew was talking about he got rid of all those little um, trinkets and things he had because he kind of felt that attachment to them and. He felt like he needed to get rid of him. And when he did, this big weight was lifted off of him. Well, I got lots of trinkets at homes, at home, and it's I, I could get rid of them or not get rid of them. It doesn't matter. So it's it's just, just a difference in heart on how you feel about things. Yeah, yeah, you got to be honest with yourself. But I just wanted to um, let you guys. Rest assured, uh, Chile is not condemned for wearing a vestment of a pope because the whole ideal of your pope is completely anti-scriptural. We had a couple uh, questions that were better than usual, like oh, what okay. kind of socks did, did you wear, whatever, but... Well, yeah, send them. Well, Pope Chili will be back quite soon. James Henderson, he's always no on to, here. No need to fret. He asked, so is it wrong to have a desire to have strict rules on what to do in the sanctuary because we want people to respect it? Um, Is it wrong to have strict rules in the sanctuary? I, in my, to me, that means like, you know, what you wear, have your hat off. Um, you know, no running around, like those kind of rules to have it be this place that's set apart because you want people to respect it. I, I ask that question because I think it's a lot of people feel that way. I, I and, mean, in my mind, if you are going to meet as, if you're going to meet as the body of Christ in a place, first of all, 
sanctuary. If you're, if you're going to meet in a place, does it matter what you wear? Well, to a certain extent, it matters what you wear, but it's not out of respect for the place that you're meeting. Exactly. It's because you shouldn't go to worship God and have your titties hanging out. You shouldn't go to a place to worship the living God and, 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 and be dressed in a manner that's going to distract other members of the body of Christ from doing what they're there to do. Well, you shouldn't do that anyway. Exactly. So it's no different than how you ought to, you ought to wear your daggone mess anywhere. But should you dress up to go in to res- should you re- respect the 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 place? No, but you should respect the body of Christ. You should respect Christ. Yes, exactly. So put your titties up. <laughs> yeah. There was another question. Don't here. go to the meeting with your titties hanging out. <laughs> this is from Nine oh, Cats. They're always on here too. And they gave five, I don't know if this is male or female, but they gave nine or $5 super chat, and they said, can you be re-baptized? To please clarify this for me, some people don't seem to understand. <sighs> re-baptized. Look here, man. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, they said, well, what did they say? Please clarify that. Some people don't seem to understand. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to tell you guys a story about this. They're just, talking, they're just talking about being baptized twice, right? We may not understand what they mean. Yeah, rebaptized would mean you've been baptized once and now you need to be baptized again. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you a little story about this. I was speaking at a wild game dinner to a congregation of believers this year. And at the end of my speech, I asked if anybody was being called by the Holy Spirit to accept Christ and to be baptized. And Chili was there. Blake was there. A young man walked up. How old was that boy? Had to be less than 10. Yeah, he was under 10 probably. And... There was, it, it was, it put me in a, I, I felt some tension because here's this young man and he wants to be baptized, but I don't know this young man. I don't know intellectually where he's at. Like, I, I don't know if he's just came up there because he was pressured by his granddaddy to come up there or his mama to come up there. Like, does this young man at uh, under the age of 10, 5, 6, well, 7, 8 years old, does this young man comprehend the gospel? I could see you struggling with that. We've never struggled with it, man. We've never talked about it, but I could see it. I struggle with it bad, man. And here I am in front of all these people. And there was a part of me, there was there was something in me that I probably should, well, I, I'm not going to say whether I should have heeded it or not, but there was something that was like, 
somebody else that knows this young man better and where he's at and his understanding of the gospel and where he's at intellectually, somebody else, that person should be the one that decides when this young man needs to be baptized. Because the reason this question comes up so much is because there are so many people out there because it's become a tradition to baptize children at a very young age who have no true concept of the gospel or 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 they they have not realized their need for a savior and so in church in the church the body of Christ we've made it a habit of baptizing children and so then what happens is these children get older and they just go, they they go through some rough spells in life, right? And then they get to a point where they do realize their need for Christ, and they do accept Christ. And then they're like, "Well, I got baptized when I was four years old." My mom told me, and I vaguely remember it, but I didn't know what I was getting baptized for. So does that even count? That's why this keeps coming up. And I and I'm gonna tell you, man, I'm gonna tell you just I don't I I I'm gonna tell you my opinion on this. I don't think that we should be within the body of Christ. I don't think that we should just be haphazardly baptizing children. Because most of them are up there just because it's a, some thing that their mom told them they were going to do that day. Or because it's a spectacle. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that we should be doing that. I mean, what do you guys think about this? Because that's why this question is coming up. Well, <clears throat> I think one thing that comes to my mind is whenever you said you were wrestling with that, I remember I could see it. All, you know, I could tell. But... You just said you don't know if he understood what he was doing or not. Well, you've never understood, or you don't know whether anybody that you've baptized has understood or not. Even the adults. You know they can probably, I mean, you know that they're intellectually capable of comprehending it, but you still don't know their heart. Well, exactly. I don't, you're right. I don't know their heart. I do ask them. Well, you asked just him. Just like I asked the child. You asked him. Yeah. He said the answers. He said he did. He I mean. Said, he said he did. So you, that's all you can, I mean. That's you all I can do. Yeah, I you're mean, right. I'm just saying, like, I know it's a different element when it's a child and you could be like, look, man, does it? Does he have the true understanding of what he's doing? Whereas an adult, you're like, well, okay, they've got that, but that still don't mean they're, uh, in the place that they should be, I, I suppose. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that question is any any, any different, really. Yeah, um, I see what you're saying. But, but yeah, I think I do think that is a big deal with uh, baptizing children, and I, I think I think the rush is just simply because parents that that are raising their children in, I, I think because they feel like it's something that they're supposed to do, that they just want them to do it as fast as possible. But it, it, I don't, yeah, I think it's a problem that it's being done 
when when people don't even know what they're doing. I agree. Okay. That's and again, that's my opinion. What do you think? Corey? Yeah, I, I I don't think it's a real good idea for three or four year old, five year old. I mean, I've I've been around a pile of kids that most of them they don't know what's going on. No. At at that age. But one there is a different side to maybe the question he's asking though, because some churches, Baptist churches, if you've been baptized before and you join that church, they want you to be baptized again in front of everyone. I didn't know that. Some y'all y'all know him. I ain't gonna say him on the podcast. And I know him very well. Joined the church not too long ago, and they required him to be baptized again in front of the church at the church. So that gentleman may be asking, "Is it mm-hmm. okay to could be to be baptized in that fashion?" Yeah, I was surprised when I heard it. I mean, all all I, all that I can do in in that in that terms, I think we do have some very some very clear direction from Scripture. It's like it just makes me think of um, I forget who it was. It's in the book of Acts. I just read it the other day, but I forget what disciple it was that runs up on this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch that's in a you know riding in a wagon down the road, and the eunuch. He explains the, the the disciple explains the gospel to this eunuch, and the eunuch's like, "Oh man, I get it. Yeah, I I I get it. Christ is Christ is who he said he is. He's my personal savior, and he he died, and he was resurrected. Well, what's stopping me from getting baptized? Well, the disciple just takes him right there off the side of the road and baptizes him, and he's good. So there again." If, if you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, baptism is something that Christ tells us to do. So when we are baptized, it's an act of obedience to something that Christ tells us to do that is an outward, a very beautiful outward representation of our partaking in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what it's all about, right? If you get baptized and you understand what's going on, then no, you don't need to get baptized again just because now you're part of this church. You become part of the church when you get baptized. But now because you're part of some other congregation in some other denomination, do you need to be baptized then because they have a monopoly on it, right? Because their denomination is that they're actually the only ones that... Or it's the real way to Christ, the way they believe, right? Do you need to be baptized to be part of their? No. Negative. You become part of the body of Christ as soon as you get baptized. And, or no, as soon as you receive the Holy Spirit. The baptism is a outward representation of you partaking in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it's an act of obedience publicly to your submission to Christ. So no. Now. If you were baptized by the Roman Catholics when you were two years old and they sprinkled some holy water on your head and now you're now now you done lived a hard life and you reached a point where you said, Holy crap, I can't do this no more. I'm a wicked, wretched person. Now I understand why Jesus Christ died for me, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And you feel that you need to be baptized? Go be baptized. 
do you think it's your responsibility when you baptize somebody to know their... That's an impossibility. It seems impossible to me. That's an impossibility. I think it's your responsibility to have some due diligence and make sure the person understands yes. that the decision they... Like, did you... What decision did you make? Do you understand this is what it means? Do you understand this is what baptism is? So and if you, they say, oh, no, I hadn't really received the Lord as my Savior. I just I don't baptize do, them. I want to do this because X, Y, Z. Then you say, well, hold up, let's back up because there's some things we need to do first. Well, I'm just curious your thought process. So what if it's a kid who goes, yeah, and you're like, oh, I just. Well, yeah, I mean, you you can't, you can't. If if the kid approaches you and says, "I received Jesus as my Savior and I'd like to be baptized," I don't know how you can deny him. But now, if the parents have built this up and said, "Now this is the next step. This is what you need to do. We're we're doing it on the the third Sunday of the month this this month. Everybody's doing it. You know, you got saved, so that that's the next step. That's what you need to do." I don't think that's right. But if if the kid gets saved, he knows that's a part of it. And then he approaches you and says, "Hey, mom or dad, I I uh, I got saved, and I know the next step's baptism, and I'd like to do that." Then I don't know how you can tell them no. And the, and the, and and so that's that's why in that story I told you guys earlier that's why I felt some felt some hesitation there because if that young man was a was part of that community of believers. There's somebody there who knew that young man better than I did. That that would that would have had more discretion than I had had. Just in terms of, okay, you know, had more discretion. Obviously, but I but I know nothing about this kid, and so that's why I felt the tension. It was almost like. Hey, is there an adult here that can that can tell me something about this young man to where we have at least as the body of believers we have some discretion on are we baptizing this young man because evidence is he truly understands the gospel or are we just doing it because he feels pressured to be doing it? Well, if that's the case, you should the the person should be able to tell you. You shouldn't have to say, "Is there someone here that can vouch for this man?" You should just ask the the kid and, "Hey, tell me about your." Yeah, yeah, th- that's true. And and if they can tell you what happened in their heart, then they should be able to be that's baptized. True. Yeah, it's all good stuff to talk about, guys. Baptism is something that you do because of salvation, not for salvation. Yes, it's an act of obedience to Christ. In other words, when you accept Christ. By way of your understanding of the gospel revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, that's when you get baptized. You don't get baptized and then later on accept Christ. Yeah, it's all good to stu- good stuff to talk about. So, good question, guy. We had some more super chats if we're at a place we want to do that. Yeah, I'm about to have to shut this unit down. All right, Patrick <laughs> Michael gave $2, said, Chad, what state you in can a Yankee come and train? Come on and train, Yankee. Just send us application. Yeah, Patrick. We train in all all seventy states. Risky Crisky gave two dollars. Said I'm gonna get work. It's gonna get worse before it gets worse. Thank you, Risky Crisky. Yeah, uh, Blake said there was not gonna be an election next year. Nope, there ain't. I got that word guaranteed. Eric Logan, ten bucks again. Thank, Thank you, you Eric. That, Blake. Nicholas 
Manili said, y'all are awesome. Listen to all of the podcasts. Thank you, Nicholas. On this, their move this fall. Loved every minute of, this, minute of it. This is the uh, premier podcast on the air. So. Where'd you hear that intel, Blake? Matthew Gee, guy, said, great mm-hmm. message as always. Can't thank you guys enough for what you've done for me since I started listening to the podcast and had the opportunity to train with you guys. Thank you, Matthew. Blake heard that at the Bilderberg group meeting. B. Hunter gave 10 bucks. That's the mountain bike challenger. He said, meet me at Buzzard's Roost in Rocky Face, Georgia, and we'll see what you got. Uh, B. Pope, Hunter? Did Pope you- Chili can stay on the couch. Love you guys. No, I didn't do TNGA, and he's going to be at the race this year. Well, B. Hunter, you year. got no cred on the mountain bike until you do TNGA, but I love you, man. Hopefully you do good. On Hopefully you do better at running on your feet than you're able to do on the mountain bike. So when you do TNGA, B. Hunter, come and talk to me. Justin Cummins gave ten bucks. Uh, Travis Van S. Thank you, Justin. Twenty bucks. Take up your cross daily. Thank you, Travis. And amen uh, to that. Alex Housel gave ten bucks. Uh, common sense says be good to people and do the right thing, not because you want a reward, but because you know it is the right thing to do. If you're doing something wrong, you'll always know it. Thank you, Alex. And Dolly Lemma. Dolly Lama. Dolly Lama. This is Lama. Dolly Lima. She got or whatever. He or some they gave four ninety nine, said my five year old just said he wanted to be baptized after reading the story of Jesus. Uh after the story of Jesus being baptized one night at reading time. Told him must be a young man. Thank you, Dolly. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, man, having children. You know, I have an old saying, blessings to all who have children. Because, uh, man, the decisions that y'all have to make, I just couldn't imagine. All right. Well, we love you guys. We're going to get on with our day. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. The Pope saith this podcast is over. Enough said. We had a bunch of people on that one.